Good morning. Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. We gather as an inclusive spiritual community that seeks to inspire love, work for justice, and grow in community. Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. Whomever you love, we welcome you. May this be a house where you can bring your whole self. May our live and be the light of justice. May our hearts be the burning within this life is brightest. Love in the distance, only the work of justice is this. Light at the end of a tunnel, the road is long. Traveling slow, we don't have to walk this road all alone. Lord, I pray that every woman and man could be walking with a brother, holding hand in hand, or maybe walking with a sister. Justice is this light at the end of the tunnel. We are one in the work and love, and we walk on till the work's done. And we may change as the road moves on, and the people on their way. Everybody on your In a piece called Empathy is a Choice We Make, Leslie Jameson says, Empathy isn't just something that happens to us, a meteor shower of synapses firing across the brain. It's also a choice we make to pay attention, to extend ourselves. It's made of exertion, that dowdier cousin of impulse. Sometimes we care for another because we know we should or because it's asked for, but this doesn't make our caring hollow. The act of choosing simply means we've committed ourselves to a set of behaviors greater than the sum of our individual inclinations. Today's service is a chance to reflect on the act of choosing. Having the possibility of choice can be life-affirming. It can be liberating. 
It can be a way to express our values and our identity. At the same time, with freedom comes responsibility. Our choices matter. Unitarian Universalism calls us to find our own spiritual path, to find our own truth. In turn, what we decide is our truth will guide us in how we are called to live in the world. And living our truth is not always easy. Come, let us worship together. To invite the young and even the young at heart all the way up here onto the chancel with me, if you would be so kind. And you can just have a seat right here in the front. Look at all of these beautiful children. Just come on up and have a seat. I need your help today. Wow. Some of you can scooch over here. There's room. Oh my gosh, there's so many awesome ones of you. So many awesome kiddos in this church. All right, so we're talking about making choices today. That's the theme of the service. And so instead of me choosing the story that I, you know, we usually do a story right about this time, you will choose the story. So I'm going to need you to participate, okay? I'm going to ask you some questions, and we're going to build a story together. And based on what you choose, I think we're going to tell the best story we've told in a long time in this church. You ready? Okay. So what do we need first when we build a story? We need... A character. Raylan, can you think of a character? Maybe pick an animal. Leo the lion. Okay, I even got his name. Where does Leo the lion live? Kailani. In the African savannah. Does Leo and lion have any friends? Someone. Who? Womperton Weasel. Womperton Weasel. I definitely have to write that one down. Anybody else? Does he have any other friends? Meredith? A unicorn. And a unicorn. Absolutely. Of course he has a friend unicorn. What is... Oh, yes. One more friend. Fluffy the bunny. And Fluffy the bunny. Okay. What is his home surrounded by? Uh, go ahead. Snakes. Snakes. All right. So now we need a special day. Something that's special. Go ahead. That's okay. That's okay. You can go. What's the special day? A sunny day. A sunny day. Anything else special about this day, Iona? Um, he saw he saw a rainbow. He's a rainbow. There's a rainbow that day. All right. So what's he gonna do that day when he sees the rainbow, Roscoe? He's going to go to find that pot of gold. <laughs> and how far away is that pot of gold? Kira? A long walk on the other side. A long walk. How far, you think? Um, Benny? Ten miles. Ten miles. <laughs> <laughs> what did him and his friends see along the way in those ten miles? Anything else? Candy. Candy. Kiera. I mean, Kailani. Popcorn. Popcorn. Benny. Flowers. Flowers. A candy tree. A candy tree. Nice. And how long did it take for them to get there? 
find that pot of gold. Eden? Ten minutes. How long did it take? Ten minutes? Ten minutes. Ten minutes? Okay. That's fast. They are fast. Right? 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 Did they meet anybody along the way? Raylan? Yeah, they met some mean coyotes who were bullying a turtle and they made friends with the coyotes and told them to... When we get to that part of the story, I'm going to have you say that again, okay? All right. And did they face any other challenges along the way? Roscoe? A pit of snakes. They faced a pit of snakes. Whew. Dogs. Who hasn't said anything? A sandstorm. And a sandstorm. Wow. And how did their day turn out, Soren? Good. Good. Pretty good day. All right. And they got the pot of gold and made new friends. All right, so here we go. I'm going to tell your story. Are you ready? If I mess up, just tell me. Just say, you know. Don't forget this part, Miss Colleen. All right. So, it's a sunny, beautiful day, and Leo the lion was waking up. He lived in the African savanna, and he had a bunch of really cool friends. One's name was Womperton Weasel. He also had a unicorn friend and a fluffy bunny. His home, though, was kind of scary because it was surrounded by snakes. But he didn't mind, and neither did his friends, because today was a sunny day, and there was a rainbow across the sky. And they were going on a hunt for that pot of gold. They had a long, arduous 10-mile walk that seemingly only took them 10 minutes, but whatever. (laughs) Along the walk, they ran into a leprechaun. And then Womperton Weasel scurried off, and Leo the lion was like, where are you going? Where are you going? And he said, candy tree. And they all ran over to the candy tree and had some candy together. But then, as they, ra- they got back on their path, they met a pack of mean coyotes that were bullying a turtle, so they told him to stop, and then they made friends. They ran into a pack of mean coyotes that were bullying a turtle, and they said, you have to stop doing that. And then they became friends. (laughs) On the way back, after they found the pot of gold, they ran into a pit of snakes. And suddenly, there was a sandstorm, and there was sand everywhere. Huddled together, they just waited it out and waited it out and waited it out until finally... The sun came out, the rainbow was back, and the day ended pretty good. (laughs) Sound good? Thank you for choosing to write that story with me. We come to this place, some of us strangers, hoping to be welcomed and nourished, to have our spirits renewed for life's journey. So we take time now in our service to reflect about our lives, to think about our struggles and achievements, our hopes and dreams, our joys and sorrows, the gifts we receive from life each day and the gifts we have to offer. There are people we're thinking about today. If you'd like to include them in our circle of love and care, you're welcome to speak their names out loud now. 
today for our meditation time, there's a ritual I'd like to invite you to participate in. We have a communion bowl up front on the railing and a bowl of small stones. As we meditate and reflect with soft music, I invite you to come up as you wish in silence. You're all welcome to participate. If you have a sorrow or worry, a prayer for yourself or someone else, or are thinking about a gift you have to share with the world, put a stone in the bowl. If there's something you're thankful for, if there's a joy you have or a gift you received this week, or as a reminder of the hopes and dreams you have for yourself or for this place, take a stone with you. Let's enter our reflection time. Eric Fromm writes, our capacity to choose changes constantly with our practice of life. The longer we continue to make the wrong decisions, the more our heart hardens. The more often we make the right decisions, the more our heart softens, or better perhaps, comes alive. Each step in life which increases my self-confidence, my integrity, my courage, my conviction also increases my capacity to choose the desirable alternative until eventually it becomes more difficult for me to choose the undesirable rather than the desirable action. On the other hand, each act of surrender and cowardice weakens me, opens the path for more acts of surrender, and eventually freedom is lost. Between the extreme when I can no longer do a wrong act and the extreme when I have lost my freedom to right action, there are innumerable degrees of freedom of choice. In the practice of life, the degree of freedom to choose is different at any given moment. If the degree of freedom to choose the good is great, it needs less effort to choose the good. If the degree of freedom to choose is small, it takes a great effort, help from others, and favorable circumstances. Most people fail in the art of living not because they are inherently bad or so without will that they cannot lead a better life. They fail because they do not wake up and see when they stand at a fork in the road and have to decide. They are not aware when life asks them a question and when they still have alternative answers. Then with each step along the wrong road, it becomes increasingly difficult for them to admit that they are on the wrong road, often only because they have to admit that they must go back to the first wrong turn and must accept the fact that they have wasted energy and time. And Robert Frost the road not taken. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. 
Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I was tempted to toss the sermon and see what kind of a story we could tell together. <laughs> and I know you all are a very creative bunch, but maybe another time. I do want to extend my heartfelt thanks to Carol Gould for purchasing this service and sermon during our auction and for challenging me to explore the concept of making choices in our lives. So like writer Dennis Overby, I am a man of free will and strong restraint until dessert is an option. <laughs> the next thing you know, that mind of mine rebels and I'm ordering cheesecake in the restaurant, helping myself to a liberal serving of Becky Klein's molten chocolate cake, or finishing, yeah. <laughs> or finishing off the Girl Scout cookies I was saving for an emergency like a sermon that isn't coming together. In these precious moments, I question whether I truly have free will. Is there such a thing? And do I really have choices? Or is it just an illusion? Writer Isaac Bashevis Singer once said, you must believe in free will, you have no choice. <laughs> There are theories that have been around since the 1970s that there is no such thing as free will, that our lives and our choices are just chemistry. Neuroscientist Benjamin Libet showed with some experiments that have been reproduced again and again that mechanisms within our brains start actions long before the brain's owner is aware of deciding to perform them. Writer Jerry Coyne says, your brain and body the vehicles that make choices are composed of molecules. And the, mo the arrangement of those molecules is entirely determined by your genes and your environment. Your decisions result from molecular-based electrical impulses and chemical substances transmitted from one brain cell to another. He says these molecules must obey the laws of physics. So the outputs of our brain, our choices, are dictated by those laws. And deliberating about our choices in advance doesn't help matters, for that deliberation also reflects brain activity that must obey physical laws. So could Robert Frost have even traveled that other road? Did the electrical impulses in his brain point him a specific direction? Are we really just machines living out a predetermined sequence of events? Or even if decisions we make are the result of brain processes, is it possible that we still have the capacity to make choices? Tufts University professor Daniel Dennett believes that free will can exist side by side with cause and effect. It is not one or the other. He writes, evolution, history, and culture have endowed us with feedback systems that give us the unique ability to reflect and think things over and to imagine the future. We have the power to veto our urges and then to veto our vetoes. We have the power of imagination to see and imagine the future. In the first reading, Eric Fromm's perspective is that we do have choices in free will and that the quality of our lives depends not only on the choices we make, but in recognizing when there's a choice to be made. As you heard, 
Our capacity to choose changes constantly with our practice of life. Each step in life which increases self-confidence, integrity, courage, conviction, also increases the capacity to choose the desirable alternative until eventually it becomes more difficult to choose the undesirable rather than the desirable action. On the other hand, every act of surrender and cowardice weakens me, opens the path for more acts of surrender, and eventually freedom is lost. He goes on to say that most people fail in the art of living not because they are inherently bad or without will that they cannot lead a better life. They fail because they do not wake up and see when they stand at a fork in the road and have to decide. My own conclusion after years of study of philosophy and human nature and theology is that we do have free will. Even though our genes, our upbringing, our environment, and our previous choices we've made shape and limit our choices. But I also believe that no matter our circumstances in life, there are choices we can make even if that choice is limited to our attitude and feelings in a situation, and our choices can affect the quality of our lives. This freedom to make choices includes our spiritual lives. So I've told you about the street preacher I encountered in downtown Iowa City when I lived there, the, once, the one who once called me a militant gay Unitarian atheist. He also called me a heretic more than once, which was equally flattering. <laughs> heretic is a label I proudly claim, and a label all you use can proudly claim. While the common definition of heretic is someone who holds beliefs that contradict the accepted beliefs of a church or religion, the word heretic comes from the Greek word heresis, which means to choose. We are heretics, a people who choose a people who choose what we believe. Unitarian Universalism is not based on a creed or dogma or doctrine. Our fourth principle speaks of our free and responsible search for truth and meaning, which affirms the right of every one of us to make meaning of life in our own way, guided by our first and most important source of spiritual wisdom, individual direct experience of the divine. So what this means is that on any Sunday morning, I won't tell you what to believe. Instead, I will challenge you to discover whether your beliefs help you live a good life. I will invite you to keep testing your beliefs against your lived experience and insight into life's deepest meaning. Our freedom to choose what we believe has its roots in the rise of Unitarianism in this country in the early 1800s, a response to the Puritan's Calvinist theology. Calvinism is a pessimistic faith. It preaches that humankind is in eternal bondage to sin and that before time God chose or predestined those who would be saved and enter heaven while the rest of humankind went to hell. Using reason, the liberal branch of the Puritans rejected predestination, choosing to believe instead in the goodness of humankind, salvation by character. They became the Unitarians. The Universalists, who were also literally eternal optimists, turned the doctrine of predestination on its head by preaching their belief in a God who welcomed everyone into heaven. They argued that God as an infinite being could not be offended by the sins of finite human beings and that the knowledge of being saved would cause us to make good choices and live righteously. 
Theologians have argued that universalism is still predestination. If we're all saved, there is ultimately no free will. And God is still a tyrant who's going to, as one of my colleagues says, drag you kicking and screaming into heaven. <laughs> Even if you would, like many you use, rather go to a discussion group about heaven than heaven itself. If you choose to believe, as I do, that there is no life after death, but if there is such a thing, it'll take care of itself, and that one life at a time is more than enough to manage, free will becomes about the choices we make in this life for this life. This includes the freedom to believe what we choose and not what anyone tells us we have to believe. Do you remember when you discovered that you could choose what you believe? and that you didn't have to remain part of your childhood faith if you had one. For most of us, that didn't happen until we were adults, perhaps when we discovered Unitarian Universalism. Even if we had parents who were wise about offering us choices as we grew up, helped us understand the consequences of those choices, and let our choices expand as we matured, usually we weren't told that there were many different religions and that we could choose what to believe. Our UU children and youth are very fortunate. We don't tell them what to believe or even that they must be a UU. Instead, we teach them about the world's many different understandings of God, of life, of the divine. And we let them decide for themselves as they mature how they make ultimate meaning of their lives and live out that meaning. One of my colleagues tells the story of a UU friend who after being asked by his son what he believed about death and telling him got this response. I'll believe what you believe for now, and when I grow up, I'll make up my own mind. My colleague said in response, what a perfectly Unitarian Universalist response, especially for a seven-year-old. He goes on to say, as for the grown-ups in the room, we can make up our own minds about life, the universe, or anything for that matter. He also says, while as a Unitarian Universalist, we don't preach that you can believe anything you want, for that will lead to conspiracy theories. We do promote a lifelong free and responsible search for truth and meaning in life. Note the word responsible in our fourth principle. Our choices as human beings and as Unitarian Universalists have power and consequences. UU Minister Rebecca Parker writes, your gifts, whatever you discover them to be, can be used to bless or curse the world. The mind's power, the strength of the hands, the reaches of the heart, the gift of speaking, listening, imagining, seeing, waiting. Any of these can serve to feed the hungry, to bind up wounds, to welcome the stranger, to praise what is sacred, do the work of justice, or offer love. Parker also warns us that free will means we can choose to withhold our gifts from the world. She says any of these can also close the prison door, hoard bread, abandon the poor, obscure what is holy, comply with injustice, or withhold love. She then challenges us. You must answer this question, what will you do with your gifts? And her invitation is, choose to bless the world. If we are serious about our faith and growing spiritually, we must choose to bless the world. We must choose to walk the path of love and to offer our gifts, our talents, and our passions in life in service to one another and the world. In the Hebrew scripture, it says in the book of Deuteronomy 
This day I have set before you life and death. Choose life that you and your children may live. To choose life is to live our mission to be a liberating, transforming, prophetic community of hope and possibility. Choosing life means we make choices that will bring our world closer to the beloved community, a world which is inclusive and where all people are truly free. This would be a world where war, genocide, and racism are ancient memories. A world in which people dwell together in true peace and justice. A world where creation is not plundered and destroyed by greed, but respected, nurtured toward wholeness, and used wisely in the knowledge that everything is part of the interconnected web of all existence. What will we choose? May we choose life. May we choose to bless the world. Let's take a few moments of reflection together. Oh, you can make the sun shine any old time, even when the skies are, even when the clouds are there. Let me try that again. You can make the sun shine any old time, even when the clouds are there. You can make the sunshine. You can make the sunshine any old time, even when the clouds are there. sunshine any old time even when the clouds are there you can make the sunshine you can make the sunshine any old time even when the clouds are there So our closing hymn is number 145 in the Gray Hymnal as Tranquil Streams. This was composed for the celebration of the vote to consolidate the Unitarians and the Universalists in 1961 to become the Unitarian Universalist Association. It inspires us to, to go out in the world and set the world free. 
And I offer you once again Rebecca Parker's words. Your gifts, whatever you discover them to be, can be used to bless or curse the world. The mind's power, the strength of your hands, the reaches of your heart, your gifts of speaking, listening, imagining, seeing, or waiting, any of these can serve to feed the hungry, bind up wounds, welcome the stranger, praise what is sacred, do the work of justice, or offer love. Any of these can also close the prison door, hoard bread, abandon the poor, obscure what is holy, comply with injustice, or withhold love. You must answer this question, what will you do with your gifts? Choose to bless the world. And now, renewed in spirit by this time together and ready to go out and bless the world, let us go forth in joy and in hope to continue inspiring love, seeking justice, and growing community. May it be so. Blessed be. And amen.